Let's open the word of the Lord to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. We're going to read verses 19 through 21 and also verse 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, and verse 24. This whole month we've been talking about putting God first, adjusting our lives to make sure He's number one in our lives. And today we're going to talk about me and my house. We'll serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to put Him first. Hallelujah. Word of the Lord reads as follows. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for all that you've been showing us throughout this month, my God, this first month of the year. And Lord, as we reposition ourselves, uh, Lord, to be under your banner, to be under your covering, that you would be number one in our hearts, Lord God, in all of our actions, in all of our ways. We ask that you direct our steps. We ask that you order our steps, Father, that, uh, Lord, we might be pleasing unto thee. And, Lord, that we might be effective stewards of your manifold grace. We give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Holy Spirit, open up the eyes of our understanding today. And we thank you, Father, for it. Amen and amen. You may be seated in God's presence. There's a word in scripture uh, called mammon. And the word mammon in the Greek is translated riches. But mammon has a connotation of unrighteous riches, deceitful riches. Or even better said, there is a philosophy of the unregenerate soul or the unregenerate mind which actually worships money or worships finance or worships influence in Luke 16:13 Jesus said this no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one love the other or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other you cannot serve god and mammon so mammon when Jesus was talking about it he was not just talking about currency He was talking about a philosophy behind the worship of a currency which can become a god, small g. And if you look today, many people in this day serve money. To them it is a god, not the god, but a god, small g. And there is a philosophy that they'll do anything for money. Uh, Sometimes we see movies where we see men and women that are so sold out to it that they will murder, they uh, they will conspire. Even today, uh, among the nations, among our leadership, there are men and women who conspire just for money. And every once in a while, you get a peek of it, and one guy gets caught, one woman gets caught, a cluster of people get caught because they were scamming uh, this system, that organization, that corporation. That is alive today. There are people that worship 
money today. And Jesus was making it very clear. It's impossible for you to worship the system that is set up in the unregenerate mind and serve God at the same time. So mammon, when we think about it, we think about how you view money. Before knowing Jesus, for you money was very important. And after knowing Jesus, money continues to be very important, but for different reasons. We recognize as children of God that Almighty God is the owner of all the gold and the silver. And then throughout scripture, he then says to us, I make you a partner with me. I make you a steward. And there are even parables in scripture where God was very clear that he gives us time, talent, and treasure. And he expects us to be able to honor the riches that he places in our hands. And the way we handle them really determines if we're really born again or not. Because the philosophy that you're serving in will actually manifest by your actions. If you love money, you won't be able to tithe. You won't. It's, it's, it, it's a concept that you can't understand. It's a, it's a hindrance. It's a bother to you. But if God is first in your life, tithe is not a problem. It's not an issue. Amen. He's first. I'm a steward. So when we look at the first part of the year, and when we look at that word first fruit in Scripture, it has more to do with which kingdom you belong to and what philosophy do you follow. In the, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, it speaks about people that had both embraced the spirit of mammon and who had embraced the spirit of Christ or the spirit of the kingdom of God. A person, for example, like Esau in the Old Testament, Esau and his brother, they both brought an offering before the Lord. God accepted the offering of the one brother, right? But Esau's offering he didn't respect. Why? It was because of his mindset, his attitude. There are offerings in Scripture where you could, you could bring vegetables before the presence of God. Or you could bring fruit before the Lord. But his heart was wrong. What about that man Gehazi? Gehazi was Elisha, prophet Elisha's servant, if you were. He was his right-hand man. He's the one that would help Elisha in all his dealings. He would wash his feet, wash his hands. He'd, he'd help him. And one day, Gehazi got into a situation where he saw an opportunity to get some money for himself. And instead of honoring God, he did that very thing. He honored himself and took the money for himself. The prophet had told a very high-ranking military leader, listen, God is going to heal you from leprosy. Go dip, yourselves seven, dip yourself seven times in the lake. He says, in that dirty lake? He said, yeah, that dirty lake. So yeah, but uh, go dip yourself seven times in the lake, the Lord says. He went, fine. So he went, he dipped himself seven times. The Lord healed him. He came back to the prophet so excited that he brought a sack of money sack of gold. He wanted to give it to the prophet. The prophet said, no, I'm not going to take your money. But Gehazi looked and he says, why not? It's a gift. So when the prophet left, Gehazi went back after the man. He said, oh, yeah, prophet changed his mind. He said he wants the money. That's what Gehazi did. Meanwhile, Gehazi was hooked up to the prophet. He was hearing I mean, on a, a daily basis, I would gather the word of the Lord through the prophet. But yet, his heart was off. 
So when he gets back, hides the money, goes back before the, the prophet. The prophet says, where you been? Ah, just here and there. Hmm. You sure? Yeah, I've been here and there. He says, uh, excuse me, my eyes were with you when you took the money. <laughs> Almighty God is there. We can't hide from God. He knows our heart. You can fool men, but you can't fool God. So the leprosy that was on Naaman ended up on Gehazi. And what Gehazi could have had as a legacy of walking with a man of God, being part of the kingdom of God in that region, he lost it. Why? Because he loved money and he loved things and he loved materialism over the kingdom of God, over Almighty God. What about a person like Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament? People in the church. They were receiving a special offering, and everybody was donating money and jewelry, and some people even donated homes. And Ananias and Sapphira, they said, okay, we'll do the same thing. But then afterwards, they kept back a certain portion of the price after they had said, we're going to give this. They kept back a portion, and when they went before the apostles, they said, here's the full amount. And the Holy Spirit spoke to the apostle. He says, Ananias, Sapphira, you, you told God, and you promised God this. And now you conspired over here. Now you come bring another thing, and yet you say it's the full amount. You lied, before. you lied to the Holy Ghost. And apparently this was such a serious thing that God wanted to make an example of this. It was a, such a serious thing. Right there, both of them died in the church. And that's in the New Testament, in, in, under grace. You see, so if we're connected with the Spirit, it has a very detrimental effect in our lives because we see things in a way where we can't be useful in the kingdom of God. Plus, at the same time, unfortunately, we are listening to the wrong spirit. The spirit of poverty is linked to fear. Another reason why people won't give is because they're fearful. They're fearful that if they let go of this, they'll never get it back. But that doesn't come from faith. That comes from fear. I remember years ago when my wife and I understood this. It's all I see. God's not trying to get my money or that preacher's not trying to get my money. Basically, he's trying to get me to change my philosophy of trusting mammon to trusting almighty God. So we didn't have much and we gave what we had and we, we did it by faith. We, we pushed aside all of the worry, the concern, the fear, and we started trusting God, even though we had no guarantees. And little by little, I started seeing miracle after miracle after miracle. There weren't large miracles per se, where I could point to them and say, my God, look at this. You know, somebody just walked up to me and gave me $10 billion, say, use it in the kingdom of God. No, but it was a, a, a debt cancellation here, a promotion there, a, a, a situational change in my job with regards to my supervisor, whatever it may be. I saw miracle after miracle, connection after connection. Things started shifting for me to the point where now I look back and say, oh, my. God, look at this. But it happened when I stopped trusting in circumstances, trusting in situations, trusting in lack. Because most of us trust more in lack than we do in God's abundance. That's why we always get worried. See, worry doesn't come from faith. Worry is saying to you, you're about ready to lose it all. Something's going to happen. You're going to fall and crick your neck. You know, you, you, can't, you can't be happy about anything. Because always something is about ready to happen. And one great writer said it this way, I've had many tragedies in my life. Most of them have never really happened. We're always worried that this is going to happen, worried that that's going to happen. The economy is bad, this and that are bad. And God is saying, when are you going to stop trusting these people and start trusting me? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Another one is, is Achan. Achan was one of the mighty men of Joshua. He went out there. They made warfare. They took the land. But God said this. God says, when you come into the land, the first city belongs to me. See, God always demanded first. The first, the best. Not because he needs it. Because the bottom line is, God doesn't need gold in heaven. Gold in heaven. You know what it is? It's pavement. The Bible said the streets are lined with gold. So what does he need gold for? Gold's only important in this earth realm. So what God does is he tests your heart with the things that are important here. So if he sees you have another God, then he recognizes he's not married to you. You understand? In other words, my wife and I, we're married. We're covenanted. I can't have another wife. She won't let me. <laughs> she wants me all to herself. The nerve. <laughs> Covenant. So therefore, I have to put her first. I can't put any of you ladies first. I have to put her first. Right. It would be immoral to me to put you higher than my wife. So don't expect it. Not going to happen. Can't happen. I'm in trouble if that happens. <laughs> See, so that's the way God operates. He's family. He's father. So when we worship someone else beside him, what we're actually saying is, I don't, I don't want to covenant with you. So God understands that. And here's the issue. We're the ones that lose. He desires to bless. He desires to prosper us. Bible says that God gives us the power to acquire wealth so that his covenant may be established. So... Wealth is connected to purpose. God doesn't want to just give you money just so you can have money. Money is connected to purpose. In every area, you see money connected to purpose. Right now, Obama, last week, President Obama came to New York City. What did he come for? Did he come to have a nice time? Did he come to walk down Fifth Avenue and see the beautiful buildings? What did he come for? He came to raise money. Why? Because there's a purpose. Money is connected to purpose. So Almighty God, who's our creator, he understands that. There is a transfer of wealth, but there's a transfer of authority and a transfer of purpose, of activated purpose to the one that receives the money. Right? So same thing in the kingdom of God. When we understand that and when we get from the mindset, oh yeah, I want to have lots of money. What for? Well, uh, I'll buy five cars and I'll buy ten houses and uh, buy me an island and a yacht. You have no purpose. You don't know what you're doing with it. I guarantee you, you'll never be wealthy. People can only be wealthy when they, f they have a purpose. There has to be an overarching purpose. So what happens is God starts opening our eyes. Achan, who belonged to the, the, the beautiful warring tribe of that great man, he didn't get the message in his heart. Because God told Joshua, Joshua, the first city that you take is sanctified. It belongs to me. Don't take anything from it. So what, what did Joshua do? He told all the people, don't take nothing from this land. Now the second city, third city, we can plunder that. But the first one, you give it to God. It belongs to God. So Achan saw all the gold and the silver. He says, what's the best? What, you're going to bury it? You're going to burn it? I'm going to take some of that. I need that for my family. I need that for the... He took some, some clothing. He took some fine tapestry. He took some gold and silver and he hid it. And then suddenly they went to a small town to take that one and they were defeated there. So Joshua went before God and said, God, what happened? Didn't you tell us that you're going to give us the victory in all of these cities? 
And God said, yeah, I said I would just as long as you obey my covenant. And I told you to give me my, the first one is mine. Because I'm trying to teach you a principle. If I'm first, you have to treat me as I'm first. You did not treat me as first. Because you took of the holy thing. He says, who did? He says, tomorrow, get all the people together. I will show you who did. And God was so upset that all of Israel had to stop in their purpose of moving forward and, and, and getting their land because of one man. Now that speaks a lot to our individual states in the kingdom of God. How sometimes our action can affect others. Wow. I'm just a little person. Excuse me, little person can stop the forward momentum for a season. A word out of place can stop momentum. A word out of place can hurt somebody's faith. So we have to be very careful how we share in the context of the kingdom of God. Because we're not only valuable, we're also very influential. We're always influencing somebody. I'm, I'm just a small, little, 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 small, somebody in the kingdom of God. Uh, excuse me. The anointing of God upon you is eternal, is powerful. You can influence. Amen. Praise God. So what happens is the morning everybody gets together and then God says, separate these tribes, separate this tribe. One tribe is left. Okay, now separate these people within the tribe. And at the end of the day, there's just two or three or four men standing there. And so Joshua says, okay, which one of you did it? You can't hide. So this man, he went for this. Joshua, I'm sorry, I did. I took, I stole of what belonged to God. So you can read his scripture. He and his family suffered dearly because they had to correct that. But it was a conscious decision to put money, stuff, materialism over Almighty God. So God is teaching us through scripture that we have to turn that around. Look at the flip side. Look at the centurion in, um, I want to say, Luke chapter 7. There's a centurion who, out of his own money, would help uh, the, the Jewish people, uh, he'd sow money for their, sanct- for their uh, synagogue. Sow money. Didn't expect anything. He was so money. One day, his uh, servant is sick. So he went up to uh, the disciples and said, listen, could you maybe have Jesus come to, my, to pray for my servants? He, he's sick. He says, you? Okay. They went up to Jesus. Jesus, see that centurion over there? He wasn't part of the church. He was a Roman centurion. See that man? Jesus, he's, his, his servant is sick. He says, okay. Yeah, but that's the guy that gave money and he spent time donating for the synagogue. You know, oh, that's the guy? Let's go over. Come on. Meanwhile, when other people would ask Jesus, he says, I don't have no time now. I have to fulfill all righteousness. I have no time. But for a person who had a heart like God's, a person who was giving, a person that was generous, he would immediately know and be impacted and go and take care of them. Isn't that interesting? So what he did was, he, he, he said, let me go to, he went over there. He says, uh, Centurion, what's the problem? He said, well, my servant is, let's go and pray. He says, no, 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 no. Jesus, you're busy. You're fulfilling all righteousness. I understand that. And just say the word from here. If you say the word from here, you're a man of authority because I know I have authority. When you speak, I see things happen. So just speak the word of healing. I know my servant will be okay. And Jesus was fine. So your servant is whole. Go. When he got home, that very same hour, the servant was healed. But look at the relationship. Look at the corollary of how a, a man or a woman that, 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 that it flows in that spirit, that understands the spirit of generosity, understands how it's connected to purpose. 
that man understood that the kingdom of God was important. So he was already sowing into the kingdom without even knowing the, the reciprocity that Almighty God has here on earth. There is a law of reciprocity. There is a law of return. There is a law of harvest here on the earth. When we say, okay, God, you're, you're first. Here's my time, my talent, my treasure. Now God says, ah, there's a person now that I can work through. There's a person that I can now trust. See, because there is, say this with me, there is no lack. See, there's just lack of purpose. There's lack of ideas. Wherever there's a good idea, money will follow. Oh, pastor, don't you understand there's a recession? Um, there's no recession in Apple. Their stock has just jumped up to over 400 plus per share. From, I don't know, $80 to $120, now to over $400. There's no recession in Apple. There's no recession in the UFC. For you UFC fans. It's a mixed martial arts where, where they're making several billion a year in a recession. See, in other words, they have an idea. They are serving a need or a want. And they have a purpose behind it. So what they do, their purpose is to entertain people in the area that they want, in the area that they need, and they get the finance or, or they get the, the overflow. There's no recession in, in football right now. Next Sunday, not this, uh, is it next Sunday? Next Sunday. Yeah, next Sunday, not this Sunday, next Sunday, not today. Next Sunday, we have Super Bowl. You know they had to shut down Super Bowl because there was not enough money for advertising? They had to shut it down. They couldn't pay the football players, they didn't have enough money. It's unfortunate, we're not going to see the Giants uh, whoop the, the other guys. There wasn't enough money. They couldn't, they couldn't pay for the stadium. Not. <laughs> they are paying over a billion dollars just on advertising alone. Don't tell me that there's not enough. It's just being hoarded and, and it's being spearheaded in directions that have nothing to do with our purpose. You know why? We are not effectuating our purpose. We're just walking like uh, many people in life, not here, but in life. You just see them, they walk in a somnambulant manner. They're like, mm, uh. my wife and I, we have a joke. It, there, there's a movie, I forgot the name of it. Um, it's a funny movie. It's about, uh, when was that movie? The Mummy, The Mummy. Remember when the whole group, they, they come on, they go, Emotech, Emotech. I mean, just, it's, a, it's a private joke. But every once in a while, we, we talk about God's people. And people in general, and they're like that. They're going, Emotep, Emotep. They're going nowhere. <laughs> but when you catch your purpose, you see that it's more than just being alive. You're alive for a reason. God birthed you for a purpose. Hallelujah. It's not just walking and, you know, now, now, it's, uh, now there's our different strains of viruses that kill everybody, but they just kill you just enough so that you can walk and eat other people. Right? It's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, it's so funny. But the truth of the matter is, 
is that many of us walk that way with no purpose. Well, where are you going? Uh, I don't know. How are you doing? Same old, same old, same thing. Just no purpose. We really need to get back to God. We need, get, we need to get back to our Creator. We need to cry out to God. We need to say, God, show me my purpose because without you I perish. What's the use of a life? Even if you live it 100 years, 120 years, and you never did anything. If you never left any legacy. If you never helped anybody in life. If you, if you never served your purposes on earth. The Bible says David died after having served his purposes for which he was called to. His purpose here on earth. Amen. So the centurion served his purpose. Jesus healed his servant. Number two, what, what about Cornelius in Acts chapter 10? Another, another centurion. The Bible says he would pray. And give alms. Alms is not just a, 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 um, a general type of offering. It's a specific type of offering to the poor. Alms. Remember you see these movies, alms for the poor. Alms. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, they're, acti- they're asking for an offering for them so they could eat. So they could, you know, whatever it is that they need. It's at their most basic need. Well, he would take care of people. God sent the apostle to him one day and said, Cornelius, God has shown me that he's been looking at your actions. Say to your neighbor, God looks at your actions. He looks at your actions. He's been looking at your actions, and specifically, then he said this. He's been looking and hearing, looking at and hearing your prayers and your almsgiving. Huh? Why? Because God was looking at his heart. And the man knew that somehow or another, this was the right thing to do. He was connected to the right mindset. And so what did the, 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 the apostle say? He says, listen, um, you've got a call for a guy named Peter. Because Peter is going to preach the gospel to you. Actually, what happened was he received a dream or a revelation. That's what it was. And an angel told him this. So... He calls for Peter, and Peter preaches the gospel, and the guy gets saved, him and his family. So he was not even saved yet. But he had the right spirit, the right mindset. So what is it that we do? What about Dorcas in in the scripture, in the book of Acts? Dorcas was a beautiful disciple. She would help people. She would uh, uh, sow things for, for families, and just be a general, great, wonderful, generous woman of God. And one day she gets sick, and the Bible says she passed away right there. They immediately called the apostle. The apostle called. It looks at them. Oh, that's Dorcas. Mm, we have to do something. Went over. He prayed for her. And you know what God does? God restores her life right there. And you know what happened? The whole community rejoiced because Dorcas, the woman of God who had ministered to so many, now God ministers to her. But look at the impact that she had, that all of her private Ministry to others had impacted an entire impacted an entire region, so that when something happened with her, the entire region was crying out to God for her. How many people have you impacted? See what, what you do in private, God will shout, shout from the rooftops at a correct season. Yeah, but I I blessed, I've helped others, and nothing has happened. Wait, there is a time and a season, so you have to stop. Allowing the spirit of this age to affect your walk with God. What do I mean? Well, uh, we, we want everything in a hurry. We don't want to wait for anything. And today, we want service right away, right away. In your job, do, you, do they demand a lot of service? Do you have to be quick? 
Yes. Quick, quick, quick. You have to apologize. Quick, quick, quick. Fix it right away, right away. I know in my, in, in my job, this way it is. I have to sometimes, I have to grit my teeth and say, we apologize for this and we'll take care of it right away. Well, make sure that you do. You got it. <laughs> Nobody wants to wait. Nobody wants to wait. But you're, many times what you're sowing for is you're sowing for a lifetime. You're sowing transgenerationally. Amen. So some of the things you'll see maybe in 10, 20 years, but other things you won't see. You'll be in the presence of God and it'll start manifesting after you're gone. But make no mistake about it. When you become the blessor, the blessing goes in you, through you, and to others. So in other words, whoever blesses gets blessed himself. Whoever waters gets watered himself. Amen, amen. So we need to understand that the year 2012, this is time to water. This is time to sow. This is the time to give. What am I saying? Give of yourself. Give prayer. Uh, give uh, uh, words of encouragement. Uh, share your testimony. Don't hold back this year. You need a large harvest because I'm telling you, there's going to be a lot of crazy stuff that's going to happen this year. But you need to be in a place where you're a reservoir. Praise God. Amen. If you're a reservoir, then if it shuts down over here, that's okay because it's still, still flowing your way. And then you could be a blessing to others. Hallelujah. We know in the Old Testament when, when the, um, the uh, prophet was in a situation where he prophesied calamity over a nation. He prophesied that there won't be any rain. He lived there too. I'm sure as he was prophesying, he says, it's not going to rain here until uh, I say so. Yeah, the prophet spoke just like that. And guess what? The heavens held up the rain. But he lived there. Why would I prophesy something over land if I myself am going to be affected? Sometimes prophetically it happens. But what happened? God said, okay, go to a brook over there because I have assigned the ravens to take care of you. <laughs> so he went over there and three times a day a raven would show up with meat and there was a brook that had enough water for him. So the prophet was taken care of. What I'm saying is maybe you're in a scenario where there is recession. Maybe your job is getting slow. Maybe they said, you know, sorry, we can't use you anymore. But guess what? God is saying, he's speaking to the ravens right now. He's getting the ravens ready for you. He's going to change the situation for you. He's going to create an opportunity that didn't exist before. And I want some of these scenarios, not just for me, but for my family. I want some scenarios like that for my church. I, I, I just don't want to be blessed. I don't want to be a brook all by myself. I want to say, come on, everybody, there's enough over here. Come on over here. Yeah. Hallelujah. There's more than enough. And God's going to give us the wisdom to select, to see where it's coming from. And then even when that dried up, when the brook dried up, oh, that's it, the brook dried up. See, many times we only see it one way. God only moving one way. And when God stops moving, then we oh, that's it. The brook dried up. We're in trouble now. No, no. God has other ways. He has myriad ways. He has infinite ways. We have to stop thinking that, that God thinks like we do. He doesn't. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. When we're just starting to worry, he already has three, four, five, six, seven, an infinite amount of ways that he's working on just for your benefit. Hallelujah. So then God tells, God, God tells uh, the, um, the prophet, go see this widow. I have commanded her to take care of you. Meanwhile, yeah, I have commanded her. Meanwhile, she's, uh, the, the, the scenario is this. She's 
making the last cake for her and her son to eat it and then to die. So in the midst of that, the prophet shows up, um, widow, um, I don't know the name, this is, give the name, so the widow of Zarephath. <laughs> widow, uh, give me some food to eat. She looks at the prophet. Now, if you are making your last piece of food to give to your son and then just to sit and die, and somebody shows up saying, give me that food, what would you do? <laughs> some people say, well... I'll give it to the prophet so that he can eat and pray that God would give us something. Yeah, right. Knowing you, you'll say, you see that door, prophet? Same way you can come in, you can go right back out. <clears throat> and if you're one of these, these, these ladies that, that know how to use un salteng, you know what a salteng is? Ding! You know, one of those uh, frying pans. Ding! frying pan right in the head. Get out of here. We're about ready to die. You know what she did? She made the cake and gave him first. Gave him to drink. And then, then, then he released the word of the Lord. When she, when she, when she, she, she gave that to him. He says, here's what the Lord says. See, this food here is not going to dry up. That oil is not going to dry up. That grain is not going to dry up. You're going to pour and sovereignly you're going to have more. And it's going to continue and continue and continue. You have just entered into a cycle of miracles because you dared to believe God over circumstance. And I submit that some of you are about ready to enter into a cycle of miracles. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And this is not something I'm preaching at you as a gimmick. It's all in scripture. And number two, I believe it. My wife and I practice it. For our guests here, we have chose. And I have chose. I have my job. I, I don't get a salary per se from here. I get a salary from another place. So the same way I'm teaching it, I am living it. Today we'll be the first ones, my wife and I. We will give a first fruit on purpose. Why? Because we are excited about the kingdom of God. We're, ex we're excited because God is my provider. If a door closes here, I know and I confide that he will open up another door here. I know, hallelujah, that there are cycles of blessings, cycles of miracles that are on their way. And I can partner with Almighty God. He doesn't need my substance. What he needs is my heart. And if he's, and, and if he's got your heart, now Almighty God says, now watch it. Watch how I can take care of my children. Watch how I can provide for you in ways that you knew no, not of. Hallelujah. And that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited that the year 2012, which is the year of government, it's a year of government. The year 12 symbolizes government. But it's also the year of order, divine order. It's the year where we're getting our life in order. When we're maturing in our faith. When we're saying, okay, God, enough games. I'm not going to play anymore. I'm going to enter into all that you have for me. I'm going to enter into your principles. I'm going to enter into dynamic biblical paradigms that are going to get me in sync with your purposes. And Lord, I'm going to follow you hard. I'm going to go hard after you. I'm going to follow after you. I'm going to seek you early in the morning. Hallelujah. This is a year where everything's coming into divine alignment for you. This is the year when you're going to hear clearly from the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm excited about that. And I, and I, and I see it as a year where you're going to begin the multiplication process. Where you're, going to be, you're going to have one, then you're going to have two, then you're going to have four, then you're going to have eight. 
This is the year where divine connections, one connection, then two connections, then four connections, then eight connections. Hallelujah. One opportunity, two opportunities, three opportunities, four opportunities. You lost a relationship here. Now it's another relationship, another relationship, another relationship. Hallelujah. You have wisdom, but now it's going to spring forward to more wisdom and more wisdom and more wisdom. This is the year. This is the year. This is the year. This is the time. This is the season. Hallelujah. Embrace it. Embrace it because it is yours. Embrace it because it's the timing of God for you. Embrace it because the Lord says it belongs to you. Embrace it because it says, I have it for you. It's hovering right over you. Who will grab it right now? Who will take it right now? Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is what the Lord is doing for us. This is what he's doing with us. This is what he's going to do through us. Hallelujah. It's not time to hold back anymore. Kill the spirit of worry. Kill the spirit of fear in your life. Shut it down. Bible says the just shall live by faith. Worry will stop. It'll, it'll literally stop the flow of the blessing in your life. It'll stop the flow of the supernatural in your life. When God gave wealth to the first generation Israel that came out of that place, that place of over 400 years of slavery, they came out rich because they borrowed from the, the, the Egyptians, is it? He, they borrowed from them lots, gold, uh, dyed ram skins and beautiful linens, pearls, everything. They came out rich. God told them to borrow from, from them. And they borrowed. And they came out to do what? To build a temple. To build a tabernacle for Almighty God. And then what happened was, since Pharaoh could not submit to God, they all perished. So how can you pay back to somebody who no longer exists? There was suddenly a transfer, a major transfer of wealth. In a moment, there was a major transfer of wealth. But watch this. God can bless you. He can prosper you. And you can still forfeit your place. These people, because they continued to worry, they were afraid. God said, now take that mountain. It's yours. Yeah, but the giants, it's yours. I've given you power over the giants. I've given you power in that land. You're going to take it and you're going to build me a sanctuary. We can't, Lord. We're too small. Worry stopped them from entering into their inheritance. And the enemy has tempted some of us throughout our lifetime to stop pursuing our inheritance through fear and through worry and through doubt. But it stops now. Because now we're being rebooted into true faith in God and confidence in Almighty God. If I knew it was a fixed fight, how far would I be willing to go? If I knew that I had already won it, how far would I be willing to go? I don't care who you put before me. If I know it's a fixed fight, I'm going to look good. I'm going to act the part. I'm going to do whatever I can. I don't care if it was Tyson. I don't care if it's one of those UFC guys. They could take me and wrap me up like a pretzel in reality. But it's a fixed fight. Uh, uh, he can't hurt me because, you know, they made it that way so he can't hurt me. So I'll be doing all sort of stuff. I don't care because I know it's a fixed fight. I wouldn't dare in the natural because they'd kill me, right? But if I knew it was a fixed fight, if we sat down before and 
Tyson or whoever it is is there and the managers are there and people with lots of money are there, right? And they say, okay, this is, this is what it's going to happen. Tyson, you're going to make believe you hit Victor, but don't hit him. Let him hit you, but you don't hit him. In the third round, you go down. I was like, all right, all right. I'll, I'll come out, man. I don't care. I'm, I'm the man, right? And, and then, you know, I'll pop, pop, pop Tyson all around for three rounds. Then boom, and then he's down. Why? Because I know it's a fixed fight. But it wasn't a fixed fight. I wouldn't play with that. God was saying to the people, I have set it up for you. The giants are going down. They're going to be food for you. You don't have to worry. I am with you. I go before you. You saw what I did to Pharaoh? Now I'm going to do that to the giants. And that's what God is saying to you today. You saw what I did in the past time. But what I'm about ready to do in the new season is even major. Because the glory of the latter house is always greater than the glory of the former house. So God is about ready to do some great miracles in your life. I thank God what he did yesteryear. But what God is about ready to do now in your life. Wow. I'm already amazed. I'm already excited. I'm already on fire. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to what God is about ready to do in your life. Hallelujah! But they could not trust God. Hence, they never entered. They had all the money. They had the positioning. God was with them. And they still never entered. But I have good news. Because there were two men among that bunch. That when God said, take it, they said, oh, we're ready. We're ready to go now. And everybody said, no, we can't. What do you mean you can't? God said we can. We can't. We can't. God said we can. 40 years later, they were still alive. And, and one of the guys was already 85 years old. And when Joshua was ready at the second go around, he said, okay, now God says we're going to take it. This generation will take it because the first generation refused. The first guy that stood up was that guy. He said, okay, give me that mountain. I want it. I've been waiting for it. And God's going to give me the strength. I'm going to dispossess all the giants. And at 85 years old, hallelujah, Caleb went in with his team and he dispossessed all of the giants. Maybe in a past season you didn't get to dispossess your giants, but this is a new season. God said this is a new time for you. It's a new beginning for you. So go in, start dispossessing your giants. No more fear. No more worry. No more doubt. Trust God. Now is the time to increase. See, you need to increase because the world needs you to increase. You need to increase because there are people are waiting for your prayer. They're waiting for your testimony. They're waiting for your uniqueness. There are people that are waiting for you to pray over them so that they would be delivered. You need to increase. You need to become who God called you to be because there's somebody waiting for you. It's not about you anymore. You're already blessed. Now it's time for you to become the blessing. Come on, praise Him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Who here is the blessing? Amen. We are the blessed. We are the blessing. Glory to God. Amen. My God. I got to hear this message again because I need it for me. So I recognize it. So I, I recognize the verse, Ezekiel forty-four thirty: the best of all the first fruits of any kind, any sacrifice, any kind from all of your sacrifices shall be the priests. Also, you shall give to the priests the first of your ground meal to cause a blessing to rest on your house. Yeah. See, when we give him the best, 
He causes a blessing to rest on our house. Amen. So what are we going to do? I sent a lot of you an email. How we, we sow as a church? We all bring our own first fruit. But see, more than the first fruit, bring your heart. Today it's time for you to give your heart. It's to submit yourself to Almighty God, to, you, to your creator. Because there's so much he wants to do through you. At age 15, I knew I was going nowhere. And I remember one day, I walked by a church. And I looked at the church. And I started crying. Weirdest thing in the world. I knew nothing about it. It was a Catholic church. Beautiful church. Door was open. I think I could see all the way into the front where they saw the man crucified on the cross. And I looked around. I looked at Stephen's. Wow. What a scenario. And such a sad man on that cross. And I remember I stood outside and I just cried. I didn't even know why. I believe God was touching me. Because short, shortly after that, my future mother-in-law, she preached to me the gospel of Jesus Christ. She taught me and showed me that God loves me and has a purpose for me. I knew nothing about the word. Nothing at all about the Bible. I remember when I first started reading the Bible. I read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. You know, he did this first. He created that. Stars, water, the firmament, the whole thing. Then I remember all the, the names. And this guy begot this guy and begot this guy. I went, what does all of this mean? I mean, I knew nothing. I didn't know how to read the Bible. Somebody should have told me, read John first. <laughs> I started with Genesis. Then I went to Leviticus. <laughs> But I just fell in love with God because he's promising me that he's going to change my life. He's promising me that he's going to give me a future. I had no future. I had escaped two, two opportunities, not opportunities, two, two people after me to murder me. Remember in, in, in Spanish, in, in West Harlem, all the trouble I had. I look back now, it was God protecting me each and every time when people came to murder me. I remember one time a gang took me to the, to, to the roof. They handcuffed me to throw me off the roof. Some of you heard this, some of you haven't. They saw me downstairs, and I just went to get my basketball. I had lent it to a gang person, so I had to go to that building to get my basketball back, as he told me, go pick it up in apartment six, whatever. And I went in, as soon as I go in, two gang dudes, dressed up in all of their fine linen. <laughs> what are you doing? So I'm just going to go pick up my basketball. What do you mean basketball? Come over here. They handcuffed me, and they took me by the nape of the neck. I was a kid. Took me to, to the roof. When we're passing by the sixth floor, which was the last floor in that building, a door opens up, and who comes out? The, 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 the president of that gang. And he looks at them taking me to the roof, because we were already on our way to the last stairway. And, you know, dead men walking already, you know? Amen. So, yeah, because during those days, in the, in the early 70s, late 60s, a lot of kids were found in the roofs, uh, you know, uh, dead. And, yeah, yeah it's was a normal thing. So as they're passing by, he looks, he goes, who's that you got there? So I turn around, I see him. That was the guy I lent the basketball to. His name was Caesar. And he looked at me, he said, oh, he's all right, you can let him go. It was that simple. No real discussion. I was on my way to die, and God sovereignly stopped it and protected that little boy. And he protected me before... I had come to Jesus. So what, what I'm saying is that there's a divine call out to you 
to your family members, people in the workplace. There's a call of Almighty God. He's calling out. And so he ministers to me. I come to Saving Faith. And today, I am sharing this testimony with others. Giving them an opportunity to understand they also have a purpose. Right? But he's doing the same with you. He kept you. Why are you here today? You might not have been here today. Anything can happen all the time. You hear it in the news. But you are here today. So that means your assignment isn't over yet. Your purpose isn't over. Your purpose is just getting started. Hallelujah. You got baptized this week. That was awesome. It's just the beginning. The baptism actually meant that you're telling the world that there's a new beginning for you. It's a testimony. It's, 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 it's an outward action of an inward truth. But this is just the beginning now. Now, watch out, world. They're on their way. Same like all of us. Say with me, the year 2012 is my year. I'm going to be the blessing. Amen. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. So the most important thing, Almighty God first in your life. Is he first in your life?